Today I'm going to talk to you about seven things I wish I could tell my mother. And I'm not going to even promise you I'm going to get through this in one piece. I'm going to promise you I probably won't. So if you don't have any hankies and tissues, you might want to run up here and get you some right now. Because I'm going to need them whether you do or not. Um, This is, I just want to hit and tell you, this is not going to be the most exegetical exposition of the Word you've ever heard. Uh, If you're a homiletics teacher or a hermeneutics instructor, I'm just going to really make you mad today because I'm. Uh, this is not going to be the the most uh, uh, hermeneutical or exegetical treatise of the Scripture you've ever heard. But I think it's going to be something that you're going to remember. Uh, and that's why I really wanted to make sure we got this recorded today. Uh, and if by some chance it don't record... I'll come back Monday and tomorrow and record it again. But we'll and and we'll but we'll we, we're gonna believe everything's gonna go go well. Um, today's message may be a little uncomfortable for some of you, uh, even painful at times, uh, especially if you're one of those who did not have a good relationship with your mother, whether she's living or not. Uh, we talk about Mother's Day, and we just assume that everybody just has a mother like mine. <laughs> we assume that everybody had a good godly mother, but that's not always the case. But I pray that you'll bear with me this morning as I minister this message, uh, that it will do one of two things. It will encourage you to have a better relationship with your mother if she is alive. Or number two, it will prevent others from experiencing the pain that you may have suffered because you had a less than perfect relationship with your mother. Uh, and I want you to please bear with me and forgive me for being personal and me-focused this morning. This message is about me and my mama. Alright? But I want you to insert you and your mama in the blanks. Alright? And I'm sure you can do that. Uh, For those of you who have had an ideal relationship with your mother and still do have an ideal relationship with your mother, I pray that today's message would be one that would help you to reflect upon what relationship you have had and also continue in stopping to smell the roses while you can, just as Grover said. Uh, When Mama is gone, she is gone for a long time. How many of you found that out? And while you can still give your mother roses, don't wait until you lay them on her coffin. Give them to her while she can still smell them. Can somebody say amen? Uh, So I'm just going to jump right on into this thing and give you seven things right quick that I wish I could tell my mother. And there might be a chance that, especially if your mother is gone already, you wish you could tell her that too. But if she's still here, guess what? You can take these seven things and tell her. And you won't have to stand and preach a message like this on what you wish you could do. You'll say, thank God, that's what I have done. And uh, so you can use this message today whether your mother's alive, well, in good relationship, or bad relationship with you. And I pray that we can all learn something from this word today. The first thing that I wish I could tell my mother was this. Thank you for risking your life to have me. Thank you for risking your life to have me. Genesis 35 talks about a woman in the Bible that we all know who died giving birth. When a woman is giving birth to a baby, she is very close to death. And in Genesis 35, if you turn there, let's read and see what it says. Genesis 35, 16 to 19. 
Genesis 35, 16 to 19. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephraim, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Regardless of what you think about your mother, she did not abort you. Come on, somebody. She risked her life to give you life. Many years ago, a mother went into the hospital in labor with a seven-month and a seven-month pregnancy. The doctors informed her because she had Rh negative blood that there was no way looking at the baby that the baby was going to live. So they asked her, could they call in students from colleges around to come and be a guinea pig and let the baby be a guinea pig so that the college students, the medical students, could watch them transfuse the baby's blood, which was something back in that time was not something that was done that often. So, the baby was going to be a guinea pig for the student nurses and student doctors to come and see what's going to happen and how you transfuse blood because the baby was going to die anyway. There was nothing that the doctors could do for the baby. So, uh, they were getting ready to proceed. Out in the hallway was a Baptist preacher by the name of R.L. McGahey on his knees praying for that baby that God would spare that baby's, that baby's life, that God had a purpose for that baby. And you know what? That baby was born at 3 pounds and 12 ounces, 7 months, premature. And I am so glad that R.L. McGahey was on his knees before God because that little baby was me. God had a purpose and God had a plan. Now, every one of my mother's babies were born premature. She had more miscarriage than she had babies. As a matter of fact, two years before I was born, I have a little brother that's buried up at the Mountain View Cemetery on Parish Bridge Road. He lived three days. His name was Myron. And he would be two years older than I am, but he died. And Mama still said, I'm going to keep having babies till I get the perfect one. And thank God, Brother Michael, out I popped all three pounds and twelve ounces of me. I thank Mama for risking her life. Mama, thank you. But secondly, Mama, I'd like to tell you this. I appreciate all the biscuits you made every day. Proverbs thirty-one fifteen. You mean there's a message about your mo- uh, a scripture about your mama's biscuits? Well, it's close. <laughs> Proverbs thirty-one. Proverbs thirty-one. Verse fifteen. She also rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household. Biscuits for her household. And portions for her maidservants. 
Mama, I appreciate all the biscuits you made every day. Now, today, they make something called counter-whopped biscuits. As Jerry Clower said, that's them what you whop on the counter. And the thing explodes out. Now, I have eaten counter whop biscuits. <laughs> but my mama made cat head biscuits with lard and Yelton's flour. And she spread it out on a white cloth and sprinkled that flour out there and had a baker's coconut can and made all those biscuits the same size. And there's something else mama did. Mama used this sifter right here. And when I hear this sound, it makes my mouth water. Because I heard that sound every day of my life with this very sifter that my mama's hands turned and sifted the flour for the biscuits. That's a flashback, y'all. A good flashback. Mama's biscuits. And you see, my mama's biscuits were better than your mama's biscuits. My mama had the best biscuits in the world. And there's a reason for it. And there's a reason you think your mama's biscuits were better than my biscuits. And let me give you a little biological, though slightly gross, illustration. I remember my mama, she'd take her wedding ring and engagement ring off and lay it. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? And lay it. Did they go to school to learn how to do all that? She'd take her wedding ring and engagement ring off and lay it over by the side. And she, she didn't wear no Playtex gloves, y'all. She put her hands in that dough and she would work that dough and it would get on her fingers and she'd bring, she'd bring, she'd get her fingers and get that dough off her fingers and she'd let me have some of that dough. And it just kind of burned a little bit when you put it in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? That yeast would kind of get you a little bit. And oh, it was good. I loved eating that raw biscuit dough. Anybody else love that raw biscuit dough? Come on now. Now, the reason my mama's biscuits were better to me than yours, than, 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 and yours mama's biscuits is better to you, is because, see, our mamas did not... Did anybody's mama make biscuits with gloves on? No. No. See, what happened, when my mama would reach in and get that flour and that lard and pour that milk in there and begin to work that dough, she had a wooden little roller. She'd roll it out and she'd work it. And you know what? She'd knead it with her hands. And here's what happened. Mama just wasn't putting lard and milk and flour in the biscuits. She was putting some of Mama in the biscuits. Because see, the oils off of her hands would go into the biscuits. Some of Mama's chemistry went into the biscuits. And that's why my Mama's biscuits were so good to me. Because see, she was putting Mama in them. And I'm remembering and reminded of every time the Holy Ghost, God, dips His hand down into the water of the Holy Ghost. And He begins to form me and move me and mold me and get the bubbles out of me and, and make sure that I'm kneaded right and I'm rolled out, although it may hurt like all get out. 
I'm reminded that as God dips His hand down into the Holy Spirit and He kneads and He molds and He fashions and He rolls out in my life, He's putting some of Him in me. Come on, somebody. He's putting His character in me. And you know what? If I'll just stay on, I'll stay on, the, on the counter and let Him do what He wants to do, then I'll come out more like Him. And you know what? When I go through the fire, I'll come out good biscuits. How about you? Now, I used to... I used to sell Mama's biscuits to my friends. The Earnhardt boys would smell Mama's biscuits and they'd come press their nose up against the screen and say, can I have a biscuit? Yeah, for a quarter. I made a lot of money selling Mama's biscuits to the Earnhardt boys. They were my best friends, but they weren't going to get no free biscuits. They were my biscuits. Oh, Mama made good biscuits because she put some of her in them. And I just like to say, Mama, thank you for all the biscuits you made. She made biscuits every day. I could sit down with a glass of Mama's sweet tea and ten biscuits and just be happy as a pig in slop. I didn't need nothing else. And I loved them when they'd been warmed over. You'd dip them in water and put them in the oven and then they get a little more brown, a little harder. Oh, glory to God, I might just speak in tongues right here. And it's, it, just, it was just good. It was good. And that's all, that's all because of my mama. My mama did that. Number three, I would like to be able to tell my mama, I'm glad now, I said now, I'm glad now that you spanked me. Can, can we look at some spanking Scripture? Turn to me to Proverbs. Some of you parents need this. Oh, I didn't say that. You know, time out for me was when I sat and rubbed my butt. Because I couldn't sit down. I had to time out to rub it to where I could sit down. My daddy would take us down in the basement. And there's a place in my, my mama and daddy's house basement that looks like oxen have been treading corn. That rut in the concrete's where we went around and around and around and around. And when my daddy whipped you, he was as tall as I am and weighed 325 pounds. And he had a belt that would go around you multitudinous times. And it hit things that it ought not really be hitting, but he didn't care. Because see, he would zone out and he'd forget what he was doing. He'd, he'd turn into some kind of wild thing. He would be in prison right now as a child abuser. How many of y'all had, a, had, a, had an abusive father like that? And my mama take a little keen hickory and whip you to the blood run down your legs. Mean mama. They'd be in jail right now. They'd be Bonnie and Clyde. But there's some spanking scripture. Proverbs 13, 24. It says, He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Promptly don't mean one... Two, three. Now, it wasn't no one, two, three. It was get your butt in this basement. There's going to be some one, two, three, but it's going to go to about 300. And that's going to be licks on your fanny. My daddy never did say time out. He never said, I'm gonna, I ain't going to tell you again. I never heard that out of his mouth. They wouldn't know again. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't know I'm going to tell you again. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. That word destruction means he's crying. I think when I cried, it was like saying, sick him to a bulldog to my daddy. <laughs> yeah, now that's what I'm looking for. 
Proverbs 20.30 Blows that hurt cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Blows. There wasn't no... I'm going to put you in time out. It was a blow, baby. 22.15 Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Woo-hoo-hoo! 23 13 to 14. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. And I am proof of that. <laughs> you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't use some Scripture on your child, your child will put you through hell. Come on, somebody. 29, 15. 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And verse 17, correct your son, he'll give you rest. Yes, he'll give delight to your soul. Wow. Now, I am not here to tell you that if you don't spank your kids, you're wrong. But I am here to tell you this. Lolly Strickland believed in the verbal, literal interpretation of the Scripture. When it said, beat them and they won't die, that's what she thought it really meant. <laughs> My daddy too. And guess what? Believe it or not, it worked. You should have used to have seen me. <laughs> and it wasn't until I had a son of my own that I found out this phrase that I used to think was an absolute lie, it really started to make sense to me. And you know what this phrase is. This is going to hurt me more than it is you. And I thought, well then daddy, give me the belt and let me whip your tail then. I'll be abused. I'll suffer for you, daddy. If it works backwards. But I'm also reminded in Hebrews 12, it says, Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And, and the writer of Hebrews said, if, if the Lord don't chasten you, then that means you're a bastard. That you're not His. So, if you get chastened by the Lord, it's not because He don't love you. It really does hurt Him. Come on, somebody. More than it does you. He, he don't want to have to do that. But I thank God that my mama, my mama spanked me. No, uh, number four. I wish I could tell my mother this. I, I wish we'd spent more time alone talking. I wish we'd spent more time alone talking. Uh, Proverbs 1, 7 to 9. Proverbs 1, 7 to 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. 
And then 2 Timothy 1.5. Go over to the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul's telling young Timothy, the pastor, the young pastor boy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Timothy, the faith that's in you came through your grandmother to your mother and your mother to you. And then in 2 Timothy three fourteen to 15 but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who do you learn them from? His mother. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. If you had a mama that taught you the Scriptures, you were a blessed person. Which are able to make you wise for salvation. How many of you are saved today because of mama's teaching you in the Word? Which is wise to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I wish we'd spent more time alone talking. Oh, the multitude of knowledge I missed out on being too busy to stop and sit down long enough just to listen to my mother. There are days, even now, when I wish I could ask her something I'd like to have an answer to. I shocked myself one day, and when I shocked me, that's something. She'd been dead about four or five months. I was coming up the overhead bridge there at Roebuck, coming between Roebuck United Methodist and Beaver Hills Baptist Church, coming toward Roebuck up that long hill, across the bridge, coming up there to Canaan Road in the cemetery on the left. Turn my turn, left turn signal on, turn down Canaan Road, and I was about a hundred yards down the road before I remembered that Mama wasn't there. I was wanting to talk to Mama. I wish you could. How many of you wish you could? My father died when my mother was 52 years old. I was 17. And I'm sure that there were many, many lonely nights when she was there at home by herself while I was out rebelling and smoking, drug, smoking pot and drinking and living like hell. I'm sure there were many lonely nights that my mother would have loved to have had a son to talk to. Because about, oh, a month after my father died is when my wheel ran off. I don't know if I was mad at God or what, but I know what, I put my mother through hell. Which leads me to number five. I wish I could tell my mother, Mama, I'm sorry for breaking your heart. I'm sorry for breaking your heart. Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Don't raise your hand, but sons, how many of you have caused those gray hairs and wrinkles on your mother's brow and in her head? Proverbs seventeen twenty five. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Now, there's one thing I do know. 
that if my dad had still been alive after I was behaving like I did after he died, you would not have me as a pastor. I'd be up there in the cemetery on Canaan Road. It's not enough that my mother's lover and friend had died at 52, but now her son's acting like he don't have a brain. I understand now how she felt that December 31st, 1973, which happened to be my birthday, I'd gone to a Marshall Tucker concert at the Memorial Auditorium. Coming back from the concert on Magnolia Street behind the county administration building there at that red light on College Street, I had the wise idea of making a right turn with my left turn signal on, on red, before you could do that, with a policeman, uh, Stan Lawson, behind me. That wasn't bad enough. Three of us were smoking dope in my 66 Dodge Dart. You'd be amazed how much dope you can eat in about 30 seconds. <laughs> he comes up to the window and I smile and I got stems and stuff. I look like Mr. Ed been eating alfalfa. In about 10 minutes, it looked like they had arrested Al Capone. Because we had the, t- the trunk was up, the doors were open, the, the hood was up. And I don't know what might have been happening in the rest of the county, but it wouldn't have mattered because there wouldn't have been a, a, a law enforcement official there to take care of it because they were all parked right there between those two green gas poles uh, around my car. Threw me in the paddy wagon. Oh, I was with a patrolman's daughter. Strangely enough, she didn't have to go to jail. <laughs> Threw me in the jail, the city jail, threw me in there with a drunk preacher that they'd found walking the sidewalk naked in front of Sullivan's Hardware. (laughs) He'd have made a good associate. (laughs) Ask me, do you want to make a call? I will not tell you what my reply was, but I let them know in no uncertain terms that there wasn't anybody I felt like talking to at the moment. <laughs> Next morning, they pushed some runny grits and fat back under the door, which I ate. And they tell me that I have company in the lobby. I didn't call nobody. But I went. You know, it don't matter if they said the devil's waiting on you. Get out of those bars, you're going to go. Get away from that crazy preacher they threw me in there with. And so I walk out and there stands my brothers, both of my brothers. Well, you imagine the look of shock on the shock look on my face because they weren't even supposed to know that I was there because I didn't call anybody. And you know, I must have looked real. You know, I had hair down to here. I, you know, I did have hair at one time. And I said, "How'd y'all know I was here?" Well, we wouldn't have known you here except we heard Bill Drake call your name on the radio this morning that you'd been arrested. 
I said, Bill Drake? He said, yeah, they called out who's been arrested and, and said, we've got E.C. Burnett Jr. He's going to be your attorney. And he done good. I didn't go to jail. I got some probation. But that morning, I get in the car and I go back home. And as I walked through the front door, my bedroom was upstairs. As I walked through the front door, my mother is sitting at the kitchen table. Hasn't slept all night because she didn't know where I was. Hand, head in her hands, eyes as red as fire, face red as fire, weeping her eyes out. And I'll show you how hard the devil can make your heart. I walked through the door, looked and said, what's wrong with her? And walked up to my bedroom. Unfazed. Unfazed. Now, my mother had never done a single thing in her life to deserve that. And while bedridden, just before she died, I got to thinking about that. That night. And I thought, if I'm going to tell her I'm sorry, I better tell her. Even though it was 20-something years ago. She was there half in, half out. Alzheimer's ruining her life and heart conditions. And I took her and I just looked at her and I said, Mama, I'm sorry. She looked me straight in the eye. She said, Manning, I forgave you of that a long time ago. It's all right. I felt like the world was lifted off of me. So, Mama, thank you for forgiving me, and I'm sorry for breaking your heart. The sixth thing I'd like to tell my mom is this. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for me. First Samuel 1. Go back to the Old Testament. First Samuel 1. 24. 1 Samuel 1. 24. We dedicated a little baby last week and we made reference to this lady named Hannah who dedicated Samuel. Now when she had weaned him, she looked up with her, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. 
Thank you for praying for me. Um, I just got a word to the wise for anybody that might be listening to this that might be running from God. Any of you boys or girls. If you're in rebellion and running from God, you may as well just stop running because your mother's praying for you and there's no escape. You just may as well just throw your hands up and quit. Actually, I got a poem that I'd like to read to you. Uh, I think I may have read this back to you in 2011, but this morning God gave me a, another verse. But it's called Mother's Endless Prayers. Wild oats were in my bag to sow, her voice I would not hear. I cared not for the crop I'd have by wasting all those years. With greener pastures in my sight, I left my roots behind. The glitter life was all I saw. The world had numbed my mind. Her voice began to fade away as pleasure's voice grew louder. The time she needed me the most, my heart forgot about her. But she did not give up on me, though far from God I'd run. No matter what the path I'd chose, I was still her own son. Her prayers, they never ceased for me, though I had long departed. Petitions, tears, the prayers of faith, the gates of hell bombarded. When to my senses I had come with just an empty sack, it was my mother's endless prayers which finally brought me back. Then this morning, God just wanted me to share this with you. So if, like me, you're far from God and you keep drifting further, surrender because you can't outrun the prayers of your dear mother. You may as well just throw up the white flag. Thank you, Mama, for praying for me. And then finally... I wish I could tell my mother, I wish I'd been holding your hand when you died. I wish I'd been holding your hand. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, 20. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Verse, 20, verse 31, Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I'll never forget that day, October the 1st, 1999. I was in Charlotte at the Carolinas Medical Center with a member who was having back surgery. And when I came back home, I saw my mom's yard full of cars. I wasn't there with her when she died. I wish I'd been holding her hand when she did. Over the time, she held me with those hands. I'll tell you a story if you promise not to tell nobody. Your pastor slept in a crib till he was five in Mama and Daddy's room. I wouldn't advise that in a marriage conference. <laughs> And one of those little lights, that little metal lights with a lamb on it that clamps to the headboard. 
You put a, little, put a little light in. Now, OSHA wouldn't approve that nowadays. And it had a little chain that you pull. Somebody had taken the, one night, had taken the bulb out of the light. And I stuck my finger in that socket. And I don't even know, I, I don't think I even spoke in tongues back then. <laughs> but I think I did then. But that's not the story. That's kind of a sidebar. Uh, my mama told me this because I don't remember. I don't remember what happened yesterday, much less when I was five. But my mama told me that every night she went to sleep with her hand through the slats in that crib holding mine. Now, I'm a wuss. I know it. I'm a baby. Just go ahead and... But I was mama's baby, so I, I, that's all right. Because um, I was the perfect one that she was trying to get till. <laughs> I hope my brothers and sister never hear this message. Those hands that held me in that crib. I wish I had been holding your hand, Mom, when you died. Those hands that... Held the Bible as she read every single night of her life. I see it now. She read the Bible holding it in her hands every single night. Those hands that kneaded the dough of those biscuits. I wish I'd been holding those hands that, Lord have mercy, put Count Fofanique on everything. It was the miracle drug. It didn't matter if it was inside, outside, in your mouth, on your rear end, on your toe. Camp Fofanique was the miracle drug. It brought me to where I am today. Those hands that shelled peas, shook corn, pickled vegetables, and raked enough leaves to rake over the entire county of Spartanburg 50 times because I used to rake them with her and hated every minute of it. Oh, I would love to be able to rake them. One more time. Those hands that did embroidery work for years and years and years at T. Langston's at Roebuck. Those hands that reached for things she imagined she saw as her mind was slipping away. As a little boy, it was her that took my hand and placed it in Jesus' hand, leading me to salvation. And oh, how I wish I had been the one to take her hand and put it in Jesus' hand. That moment you stepped over Jordan to see wasn't there. And I'll never forget those hands. And while she was alive, her hands never forgot me. You see, Mama's praying hands are the reason I have a pastor's hands. And I just want to tell you today, 
If your mom's still alive, you don't ever want to preach a sermon like this of what you wish you could tell her. Tell her. Tell her now. Tell her why she can smell the roses and hear the words. Whatever you have to do, tell her. If you haven't spoken to her in 20 years, be mature. Be the hero and tell her. Because there will be a time she's going to be gone and you'll never be able to tell her anything. Today we honor mothers. I honor mine. You honor yours. And today is the day that we need to reflect upon the good. Continue. Continue ministering to your mother. If she's gone... Thank God for her. Even if you didn't like her, didn't love her, and you had a fallen out and didn't speak to her before she died, she did not abort you. You are here today because she gave you birth. That's something that you can thank her for. So, Mother's Day is more than just giving your mother flowers. It's giving her something she can take to her grave and not lay on her grave. And that's a mom, I love you. Mom, I'm sorry. Mom, thank you. That's what Mother's Day is.